Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. We took a little bit of a break last week. Jerry came to town. It was a it was a huge fiasco. We played some uh, some N sixty four games that I can't disclose yet. Uh, and Jerry was also uh, featured on a couple of our pods. But we're back doing Shea Station. We have some news and we have some fun plans ahead of that news. But uh, I'm joined as always by uh, Jerome Belvins. Jerry, how you how you feeling, man? You're back in Ohio now. <laughs> I am. Uh, it was an awesome visit, man. Now that I've I've seen the offices, I've met the people firsthand. It was our official first meeting, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, like, right. We feel like old friends a little bit, at least <laughs> on my end. Um, yeah, and so it was good, man. I, like I can, I know where you are. You know where I live. Is that a is that a threat? Well, no. What I mean is, like, I know, like, <laughs> looking at the background, I'm like, oh, all right, I kind of oh, know yeah, where yeah, he's yeah. at. Okay. That makes more sense. And so it, it kind of just gives us a little bit of. I don't know familiarity and your hat by the way is fire oh I love thanks that man hat. appreciate it yeah I haven't br- I haven't busted out the black uh, blue and orange in a while but it felt fitting today it's freezing in New York so I want to cover my head with something you know oh it's cold here too man it's nice though it's winter it was like 60 degrees last week I was able to like go outside and play basketball and I was like this is nice but it's also December 15th like can we like, <laughs> can we figure it out what's going on yeah it was kind of bizarre it's one of those things where you're like Oh, this feels so good, but you know that you're going to pay for it on the back end with just <laughs> harsh winter, like extra long. You just know it's coming. Not great. Still no snow in sight, aside from a couple flurries, but I'm hoping we get a snowy Christmas or something like that. That'd be nice. I do. I love that. That's one of the best parts about living where we live is just like the the, the beauty of uh, a nice fresh coat of of white snow it's beautiful i've always said that the only days of snow that i like are the first day that it snows and christmas and sometimes the first day that it snows is christmas so it's like double enjoyment for me but after that like january and february i don't give a shit i just want it off the ground so i can park my car (laughs) you know that's really hard (laughs) yeah i'm with you I, i actually really like the cold i like i like winter being outdoor um in the snow like sledding that kind of thing like that's and amazing. And I, you know, having two young kids, like I'm super excited to introduce them to things like that. Like we went sledding last year. Um, but you know, he's three and a half. He doesn't remember it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you don't remember it. We had such a good time. And he's like, no, man, I barely remember, <laughs> you know, what I had for breakfast. Hey, me and him are like the same in that, honestly. Okay. I don't remember anything from like age 12 prior. It's all a blur. All of it. <laughs> That's called a uh, dis- dissociation with trauma. Yeah, sure. Something like that. Who knows? I don't remember. <laughs> so you know what? <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, parking in the Bronx is going to be terrible with the snow on the ground. So I'm hoping that I can just like put it off until, you know, some other things transpire. But uh, we finally have some news. Hey, Mets fans, we got some news at last. Uh, the manager hunt is over. Uh, and the leading candidate is the one that got the job, which is something we didn't really get to say for the general manager, so that's kind of nice. Buck Showalter is in. It's his fifth team that he's going to manage, and the Mets were so giddy that they jumped the gun on their Monday announcement. It would have been announced today because Steve Cohen wanted to tweet it out on Friday, which I thought was really, really funny. That was tweeted out by Disha Thosar. But, uh, yeah, Jerry, your, your guy, he got the job. How are you feeling about it? I feel good. I know. He's he's... It just feels right. Like uh, everybody came out in support. There's no, 
you know, we've had some issues with background checks, that kind of thing before first time managers, it was an issue. And it just felt like we needed a guy with an experience, with experience. We needed a guy with a, with a, with a clean background, no issues of, of harassment or, or anything like that. And just experience because we, we, we've had a hard time. Uh, and then like the support of former players, like guys that I've respected, you know, you didn't read a bad thing, you know, for an old school guy that, that kind of not have anybody come out and be like, you know, I hated that guy is pretty shocking because those guys are tend to be more confrontational in a sense that if you're slacking, like a lot of the new age managers will let players play, which is good. You know, there were professionals, they'll let you go out and do your thing. Uh, and it takes a, um, you know, the Buck Showalter approach where the, you know, if you, he feels like he needs to get in your face or light a fire, he'll do it. And so for, for no one to come out and be like, you know, that guy's not my favorite is it was, it was not, it was refreshing. I'll just say that. Let's say, so I feel like they got the right guy. You know, I still, I'm, you know, I miss Bob Melvin. I, I, I still think that would have been perfect, but uh, you know, Buck Showalter is the right guy. I think so. Yeah. Even with like the earth shattering, Mets signing Max Scherzer news. You still had people that are like, "Oh, he's going to be 38. Oh, he had dead arm at the end of the season. Like there, there are holes here." With Buck, I mean, you go on any news platform, you go on Twitter. The praise was almost unanimous. It was almost universal. You had guys that were former players, like like Jim Palmer, and you guys had you had current players like Manny Machado uh, speaking heavily about how much Buck influenced their careers and how much they feel that Buck would be a perfect fit. Mike Piazza also endorsed the hire. It just seemed that. Everybody was in agreement that the Mets needed somebody who could hold guys accountable because there's a lot of vibrant personalities in that clubhouse. And also a guy that's managed not only other teams before, but in New York before. It just filled a lot of different needs that the Mets wanted in a leadership position. And I think just after the whole general manager thing where like one after the other candidates were trimmed off the list and people were saying that they weren't interested and it seemed like this whole fiasco where nobody wants to work with the Mets, that narrative is dead now I think because you got Buck Showalter you got Max Scherzer you got three great position players and you're not done yet you know after this lockout who knows what else the Mets are going to do but now they've become the lucrative spot to land for team for players that still need a team a new home in the offseason so it's really exciting for not only right now but what's going to come after when the lockout eventually ends do we know the length of his contract did did they come out with any of those details or stuff like that so it's the richest manager contract in Mets history, and it's three years long. I think somewhere in the range of nine to $10 million. But yeah, the Steve Cohen wanted his guy, and he was willing to pay up for him. Is that for the whole the whole shebang? I think so. I think that's not. I was going to say he's not getting. No, like there's no way he's getting ten money. a year. That'd be <laughs> cr- Listen, I think he's great, but I've seen him throw throw some money around. But no, no, that's that seems right. You know what I mean? I remember um, with the Nationals when Dusty Baker. Like he took like a huge, like almost a slap in the face for the amount of money. And then he, he did a good job and he he wanted to renegotiate. It just was. And then he got fired anyway. That was some, I mean, that's a whole nother story, but yeah, but that's, that's what I feel like we've kind of circumvented here with the way they've approached things. They, they got rid of, they said, look, you're our guy. Here's a three-year contract. That doesn't happen today. Everything's like trial basis year to year. And it doesn't feel right. Because no, you don't think anybody's got your back. But um, this is great. I, a, a good sign. I feel like this momentum of of Mets fans and the team is building forward. And I, I you know, 
it just feels it feels good. It's it's nice to to be on the positive side of things kind of consistently here. So yeah, it's been like a month of just positive things ever since that uh, Stephen Matz debacle. <laughs> Steve Cohen <laughs> felt disrespected by the agent. That's that's three weeks ago. That's not that long ago, and everything is. Just it feels like different. years ago. Exactly. It feels like it was at like the very beginning of the off season. You mentioned Dusty Baker before, which I think is a really good comparison here because I'm going to talk more about Dusty with his current job with the Astros because Dusty came in in the wake of the cheating scandal and the wake of them winning the pennant but then losing the World Series. And he kind of had to pick up a lot of broken pieces, a lot of guys on down years like Jose Altuve and string together a winning team in 2020. I feel like Buck is in a similar position. Buck has a very talented team, but they're mired in a lot of problems right now. Like Rat Raccoon is just the tip of the iceberg, you know, with all these clashing personalities and underperforming seasons from guys like McNeil and Dom. You want a manager that is going to be able to connect with them and also bring out the best in them. But above all else, hold them accountable because, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are getting paid a lot of money. They deserve to, you know, act like they're, you know, the shit because they are. Francisco Lindor is making $300 million. Max Scherzer's walking in with $43 million a year. These are guys you're going to have to corral and get to work as a cohesive unit. And I think their situations are very similar, which I find really intriguing. And hopefully it goes the way that Dusty went because he won another pennant this year. Didn't get the ring, obviously, but Dusty will get it eventually. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful comparison. That's a very similar situation. And it feels like the the right guy, the right hire, because there's nothing that's going to come his way that he hasn't already experienced as a, as a, you know, has his length of history of, of being in the game involved. There's no surprises, you know, infighting in your team, the rat raccoon thing, which I think is hilarious by the way, because I think it was, (laughs) it was the confrontation that, that everybody knew happened. And I, I just, I just wanted to touch. I just think it was Lindor trying to like make a funny joke and, half of New York just offended that he didn't just tell you the truth. To be fair, I had never seen anything like it. Like I was watching the game live and I too was like, I want to know what happened. But like three days after and rat raccoon came out and everyone was like, what the hell is this? After that, it like smiled. It was like tongue in cheek the whole time, but half of the people were so offended that, but I think he did it on, like, I know that he did it on purpose. He was just like, look, this is a, a ridiculous story. Nobody, nobody believes it. But instead of saying, you know, no comment. This is his way of poking fun. And I, I appreciated it. I thought it was like, he could have done better in his story. Sure. <laughs> I mean, he had like 30 minutes to come up with it. So, you know, get on. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I think, I think it was, again, that would have been, you know, had, it would have just been brushed under the rug in a, in a, if everything, the ship got righted somehow. Um, but again, does, I feel like Buck Showalter is a, uh, and Dusty Baker's a great comparison guys that, just have been around the block, know what's going on, have a great reputation, and they'll be able to handle anything that comes their way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it also, this buck hire, as it's being praised by everybody, is also linking us to some more rumors. And, you know, this has been kind of a rumor podcast for the past couple of months because that's outside of signings, that's pretty much all you have in the offseason. The big one that has been floated around by some credible sources is that Carlos Beltran may be back in the cards for the Mets. Obviously not as manager. We just hired a new one. But there's rumors of him coming back as a bench coach for Buck or a special assistant to the GM. And nobody's denied these rumors, but no, but nothing has come of them yet. But I think, you know, if you want to splash and, you know, add that first piece to the coaching staff, which will obviously be star-studded with Buck Showalter at the helm, Carlos Beltran returning would be really, really nice. I think that's I think that would be the right thing to do. You know, the guy is one of the the great baseball minds 
He really is. There's a that the whole cheating thing. There's it's inexcusable. Of course, he obviously played a major hand in it. I think it is gross the way they cheated on that level. I, I really do think it's horrible um, being a pitcher and seeing the kind of outcomes that could have happened. But again, everybody deserves this is this is America, right? You get a second chance. This is baseball. Um, and everybody deserves he, did, he didn't do anything that. I don't know. I feel like a second chance is worth it. I feel like he is a Met. You know, he had a long storied history here. I feel like he belongs as a part of the organization. And I think it'd be smart for for the team, for the organization to, to bring that guy back into the fold because he does have tons of wisdom, you know, whether it, he ends up a manager or not, or even on the coaching staff, just having a guy of that talent. The most superstars that are that good don't know how to communicate it because it's just a lot of it's just so natural. But from what I heard about Carlos Beltran, it's his ability to speak on and share and help people with the way he can elevate somebody's game is so important. And to have that guy in the fold, just in just coming around, even if it's just for spring training uh, would be amazing get. So, you know, I hope he, I hope he comes back in some capacity. I think it's a great, great thing. Absolutely. And I'm of the opinion that you kind of have to, you have to pick a side on the cheating scandal. It either has to be, okay, it happened. It's part of history. You can put an asterisk on it. Let's move on. Or all of these guys should be penalized and they should be out of the league and they shouldn't be involved in baseball. MLB leaned one way. I mean, AJ Hinch is back in a job. Alex Cora is back in a job. The Houston Astros won the pennant last year. They were on the center stage for MLB. So why should Carlos Beltran be the only guy that's ousted from, you know, participating in baseball, especially considering he's a fantastic baseball mind? I mean, Cameron Mabin, before Buck was even hired, was endorsing Beltran as a manager hire. And, you know, it it cited him as one of the great baseball minds that influenced his career. And, you know, that, you know, you can't put a numeric value on influence and, you know, personality and stuff like that. But the fact that Carlos Beltran is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Mets center fielder of all time, just in his short five-year span here, speaks volumes to the influence he could have in the clubhouse where he used to be, you know, the best hitter in the lineup with guys like David Wright, Carlos Delgado, etc. So, I mean, if that's the first hire the Mets make, it has my full backing. Some fans may disagree. But at the end of the day, if you're a Mets fan, you should be excited that a former Met great would be in the clubhouse again with the current team. Yeah, yeah. I think it's all positive. And again, you can view it. You can hold him accountable. He Has he really spoken on any of it? Because he kind of was just out uh-huh. of the spotlight. Yeah, he kind of, I know he was uh, in South America for a while, not vacationing, just like, you know, staying down there. And he's kind of been away from the spotlight. He's sort of leaned into that. But I think, you know, if the opportunity comes, he would take it. I think, I think, yeah, I think at some point he's going to have to address it. Um, and I think the people understand that, that he should. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I think the baseball's better with him in the game. You feel however you want to feel um, about it, because I, I do think it's a gross, a gross thing. Like, that's that's truly, like horrible to me the way they cheated but we don't have to dive into that this is a this is i think this is a good thing to bring him back into the fold yeah we can go on for hours talking about that cheating yeah we could i've done it too many times like i don't want to go down that rabbit hole again but so let's let's focus on the positives here mets have a manager the mets have a stable chain of command now with a gm and a manager and they've loaded their roster with talent And they're not done yet. I mean, we can speculate about what they're going to do next, but obviously this lockout is probably a month and more time away from ending, so the Mets have plenty of time to deliberate and figure that out. But the point, the the key takeaways we need to make here is that Buck 
the Buck hire was basically the first unanimous Mets hire or Mets signing that was met with praise that I've seen in like the past five years. There's always some hitch or some complaint that fans or out other fans have about what the Mets do. But in terms of Buck Showalter, it's really just been, this is the guy. He hasn't won a World Series, right? Yeah, that's a bit, maybe the only hitch. But that's, that's it. That's, again, there's there's not many of those people out there to get a job that, like, former World Series champions. Exactly. You know, but that's, I've seen a little bit of that. But for the most part, like, it's almost scary how much positivity is surrounding it. Because you're like, what's happening? Like, where's it at? But it is definitely a good thing. Uh I know everybody in the organization that, that I've spoken to about it. It's just kind of like, all right, this feels right. It feels like a good fit. So it, it, it's all good stuff. And Dusty Baker is a great manager. He's never won a World Series. I mean, that it, at, at the end of the day, like the playoff success we've talked about before with Buck, he's only won one playoff series. But, you know, getting your team there is a whole debacle in of itself. And then that's a, a five-game series to, you know, prove it and prove you're a good team to get to the next round. The thing that I really like about this hire is we mentioned experience a lot. There's only one Mets manager in history that has had more previous seasons of managing other than Buck Showalter, and that's Casey Stengel, the first one to ever do it. So Showalter has 20 seasons. Stengel had 21 before he took over the Mets home. He's 24th all-time in wins for a manager, three-time manager of the year. We mentioned that last time. The big thing there is he's three-time manager of the year with three different teams. And I think this, I mean, Ford? Oh, yeah, he has let's four. Make four. Let's, yeah, make yeah. Oh, let's make it four. Let's make it four. Oh, let's make it four. I was going <laughs> to say, yeah, he didn't win with one of them. But uh, I definitely think this is probably the most talented team that Buck will ever inherit in his managing career. I haven't, I mean, I haven't, but I can't see any better of a team, to be honest, because this is a stacked roster. Um, they still, obviously, like you said, they still have some holes to fill, but um World Series or bust kind of approach to things, you know. They've got like a, a three-year window here with with Showalter at the helm, and I think if they don't win a World Series inside of that window, it's a disappointment. So that's that's setting a high bar, um, but deservedly so. That's what you want. You want these expectations. Um, you you want this as an organization, as a player, as a coach to to have these high expect. Every every team comes into spring training being like our goal is to win the world series, but not half of them just want to not lose a hundred games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other half is like trying to sneak into a playoff. This is one of the, you know, the 10, 15 teams, yeah, probably 10 that think they really have a world series and five that realistically are going to be favorites. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think it's worth mentioning that I really, I really did like the resumes and prospects of Joe Espada and Matt Quattraro. But exactly what you mentioned before, this is the team with probably the most immense pressure of any team in Major League Baseball right now. You were supposed to be a postseason contender last season. You didn't even make the cut. Now you're bringing in all this immense talent and a manager with this crazy resume. You want a guy that has been in these tough spots before, not a first-year manager, despite how good they might be in that role. I mean, you're dealing with an unknown variable when you hire a guy like Espada or Cotraro. And I did praise these guys, and I do think those guys would have been good hires as well. But for a team in this tight three-year window to World Series or bust, and if you don't get there, it's a disappointment, you want a Buck Walter at the end of the day. You want a guy that's done it. There's just too many things on the periphery, too many mitigating circumstances around just managing the team that a first-time manager, like, it may affect him. Whereas Showalter has been there, done that. There's so many, like, dealing with the media, handling, you know, all the, all just, it's, there's just so much more that goes into managing a team on the big league level, apart from just being a good manager 
that throw people off. And so he's been there, done that. Uh, he'll be able to handle it with grace. And if anything comes up new for him, he, he even if it is new, he knows how to deal with things. So, you know, that's, that's the, that's the positive of having a manager with so much experience is there's nothing that's going to come that he's not going to be, have the facility to handle it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, I was skeptical on our most recent pod about Mets managers, but the universal praise and all these different notions coming forth about how people really love Buck outside of what he does as a manager has really calmed my nerves. And if this is the play it safe option, it's a really good one. It's a really good play it safe option for the Mets. And you know what? We haven't had that luxury in the past a ton. So I think this is the good time to sort of leap on that. So I'm, I'm all for Buck. I've changed my ways. Yeah. I mean, what a shocker. Look at you. Yeah, you really. can teach a, a new horse new tricks all at the same time. No, no, no. You 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 take the approach the right way. You you evaluate as it comes in. And then when the circumstances are, you you reevaluate. That's you know, you're an adult, man. You're doing it. You're you're there shouldn't it. be aversion to changing your opinion when you're giving new information. That's it. There's one thing of stubbornness, but like if I'm no if I know I'm in the wrong or if I know that my skepticism was unwarranted. You should change your opinion. You know, there's no harm in it. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Nice little life lesson for us there. We (laughs) have a fun little thing set up for our Shea Station listeners. That's probably going to bleed over into next episode as well, because we're only doing half of it today. I've been seeing a ton of draft episodes from our guys over at like Farm to Fame and Talking Yanks. And I felt inspired. And I thought that, you know, what better duo to handle the Mets all time draft than Shea Station? I mean, come on. I agree. First of all, shout out to the farm to fame folk. Mm. The, the mascot, like the, the minor league, minor league team names. Draft. So good. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there's just so many choices and it's so, it's so subjective. That's a fun one. Uh, brilliant. Those guys did awesome. Go check out that episode if, if you want. Absolutely. That's probably my favorite farm to fame episode without a guest on it. So, I mean, that's speaks volumes. Great pot over there. Peter Moreland. Kelsey Winger, our boy Maddie Mass, producing. Talking Yanks also did their own all-time Yankees draft. We're going to follow a similar rule set to what they did. I'm going to break it down really quick for us. Uh, these uh, The stats that we mentioned in this video are going to be all of these players' Mets stats, not career cumulative stats. We have an innings limit for our starters. They got to pitch at least 600 innings, would be in the top 40 for Mets pitchers all time. Bullpen guys, I kind of was a little bit more lenient because it's hard to do innings limits there. So we kind of, I just listed the best ones that we have available. And then uh, position players, they have a different rule set. We'll dive into that in our next episode when we do the position player draft. But uh, yeah, we're going to draft five starters, three relievers, and we're going to make up our own squad of eight Mets pitchers who we consider, you know, the best of all time during their time in New York. I feel like it could be fun. I don't know. How are we doing this? Is it going to be your team versus my team? And then a poll comes up. I think that would be a good idea. I mean, we're going to post a graphic. I think so too. Yeah. Where I got, I already got Maddie on the beat. We're going to post a graphic with our choices. That's going to look nice and pristine. And then I think having the fans vote like right under it would be kind of fun. I don't know. I, I, I might have a bias pick or two, but that's just because I have some favorite Mets that I really want to include. That's the part of being a fan, man. You, this is, these are, there's some obvious choices. Like for starting pitching, I think the top four are really obvious. And then it's, it, then it's like personal preference and choice from, from then on. Absolutely. So this will be fun. I'm excited. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, there's not as much strategy here in terms of like, maybe I'll pick a reliever first just to, you know, cause that 
region is more shallow. That'll more come in with the lineups, I think. So, like, you'll definitely have to do your homework, get some research done for that. Make sure you got a strategy going in. This one, like you said, the top four picks, if you're a Mets fan listening, you probably know what the top four picks will be in this draft. And then after that, it gets a little fun. After that, it's kind of variable. You go wherever you want. But That's the truth. All right. So this will be, this is exciting. So for fairness, I think we should do what you guys did on Talking Baseball, do a little number generator type thing. Okay, That's I'll probably that. For the, for the do first you have, <laughs> okay, I'll let you. Okay. I got my, my number, I'm saying it now before I click anything, is going to be 72. Just pop in my head. I'm a 13. 13. So. Oh, see, I figured. Are you ready? Yep. 99. <laughs> wow, really? No lie. I mean, you can't really see it, so, you know. Yeah, so you got me. You know what? First pick. We're doing snake. One, two, and yeah, then we yeah, take yeah. two. I think I want the second pick, actually. I think I want to go two okay. and three. I'll, I'll, Gosh, I know who you're going to I wanted for. second I know, pick. I know. I know. I thought you did. You're a second pick kind of guy, you know? Yeah. But I love well, having back-to-back. Back. Like you said. Okay. We're, we're, uh, we're going to be happy. So I mean, I know, I know who you're picking first, right? Do you? I think I know. Yeah. It has. I mean, it's, it's. So oh, uh, let's just start off. Uh, my first pick is the goat. Yeah. I got to go with it. It's Jacob DeGrom. <gasps> He's the greatest baseball player wow. I have ever seen in my life. I know a shocker. Wow. It's got to be. I he so so break it down for me. It's it's Seaver is the franchise, right? That's the that's the easy first pick. It's it's cumulative, but I two-time Cy Young winner. He is at a level of play right now that I think is even better than any particular chunk of time that even Tom Seaver had. I think he is so dominant right now in an era of of pitching that it's almost it's recency bias and it's and it's because I played with him and got to see it. I think he is of course, yeah. The greatest like he is the goat for me. Like uh a highlight of my career is just being able to see that guy do his job. I've never seen anyone in my life so good at their job as Jacob deGrom. It's a wonderful thing. He is my number one pick. Um, he would be my number one pick if we did a full team draft mm-hmm. of position players and pitchers. I think his, his, his cumulative stats will be above Tom Seaver. Like it's almost blasphemous for me to say that. And it's not a disrespect to Tom Seaver, you know, and Jake's a little bit older, but I feel like he is going to be the ultimate Met Um Let's just hope he signs the long-term deal. But I got to go with my boy, Jacob DeGrom, as my my number one starter. Yeah, I knew – I thought DeGrom was going to fall to me, which is why I was excited about taking the number two pick. But you snaked him right away. Here's what I'll say in defense of your pick. Uh, If we go with just the innings that they have, minimum 1,200, because I think Jake's at 1,261 in his career. Jake has the lower ERA, 2.50 to 2.57. He has the lower whip, 1.01 to 1.08. And he's only about 1,000 strikeouts behind Seaver. And, you know, Jake's going to go until he's old because he's just that kind of pitcher. I mean, the resume is that he's only one Cy Young behind, too. They both won Rookie of the Year. So, I mean, like, it's kind of just, you know, apples and oranges at that point. But I'm sure the older fans listening are, you know, trying not to veer off the road right now because you didn't pick Seaver first. I get it. I, <laughs> I, I, I really understand it. I would have, I wanted second pick because uh, you would have probably taken Seaver first because yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. And I would have gotten my number one pick along with my number three pick. So it's because I love what Jacob deGrom has done. And it's, and it's a recency. It's for me, I got to see it firsthand. It's wonderful. 
So, I mean, obviously, with my number two pick, I'm going to go Tom Seaver because he fell to me. I mean, it's a win-win scenario either way. You either get Seaver or you get DeGrom. I mean, Tom Seaver, the franchise, 10-time All-Star with the Mets, three-time Cy Young, one Rookie of the Year, won the 69 World Series. The resume goes on and on and on and on. 3,000 innings, more than 3,000 innings with the Mets, which is pretty crazy. You'd think that Seaver would have been an all-time Met. He sadly wasn't because of whatever management was doing back then. Who the fuck knows? Um, but That deserves. It deserves an F-bomb. I, I appreciate it. For sure. It. Like, what the fuck? How can you trade Tom Seaver? I mean, seriously. Dude. I mean, even at the time. Even at the time yeah. watching. The, even Seaver was like, dude, what? Yeah. So, I mean, Mets better not let that happen with DeGrom. That doesn't knock his legacy to me. It's not his, you know, he wanted to be here. He came back. I mean, so that's got to count for something. Yeah, he's a he, yeah. I mean, that's an easy. You don't even. I don't even think you have to dive deep. He does deserve the attention, all the all the accolades. He's wonderful. Three and four, uh, three and four here are like we know who they are, but it's a it's a little tough. And I think I I want to span different eras with the top of my rotation. So I'm not going to take Jerry Kuzman third, even though Jerry Kuzman is awesome and sort of like the Scotty Pippen to Tom Seaver's Michael Jordan. I'm going to go Dwight Gooden just because I want a 69 Met and I want an 86 Met at the top of the helm. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And also Dwight Gooden just had maybe the best Mets pitching season of all time in 85. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue against that. And, you know, Doc was so good for us. I know a lot of things happened in his career. He went to the Yankees. Not great. Doesn't help his resume a lot. But, I mean, when you look at his stats, it's hard to argue anything. He has the third most innings with the Mets of all time, 3.10 ERA, 1.18 whip, all these things. Four-time All-Star, won the Cy Young, won the Rookie of the Year, won the World Series. Number three is pretty easy for me. I'm going Dwight Gooden. And I think Seaver and Gooden at the top of my rotation, I can kind of move. I I think I'm going to move away from rotation on my next pick. I'm just going to say that. So... I mean, that's perfect. I think it worked out great because I'm going to take Jerry Kuzman. He he is my number three. Yeah. So I got to go with the, the current Mets, kind of new era Met with DeGrom. And then I backed that up with Jerry Kuzman, who I think, not just because we share a Jerry, I think he is <laughs> very underrated just in general. You don't hear enough about him. His his stats, his longevity, just an amazing career. Uh, and I feel like he's almost a forgotten Met in a sense, even though, you know, the org- you see, you know, banners and stuff for him all over the place. But nobody you don't see enough Jerry Kuzman jerseys in the stands. You'll see a bunch of, you know, Strawberry and, and Doc. Uh, I just feel like Kuzman. And it's a cool name. Kuzman Great looks name, good on the jersey, way. like solid. It's the two syllable first, two syllable last Jerry Kuzman. It just works, you know. And I mean, if in today's game, you'd hear easily, right? Like you, Mike Moustakas gets moves. So, I mean, yeah. So he's, that's a one, two punch. I mean, that's a, the top four was, was pretty easy. And I just want to say, like, if we're, t- we're talking about the most, the best one, two punches in Mets history, because we got DeGrom and Scherzer now, if you ask me for my next favorite, it's probably Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman, right? I mean, I, I mean, maybe somebody with the 86 Mets, but they kind of had like a good one through four. But the top of the Mets, like one, two, I like Seaver and Kuzman. All right, so it's my pick. Yep. You get you kind of tipped your hand here a little bit, so I got to jump out in front of it. Mm. I've got to go reliever here. Okay, don't take my And guy. again, this is a one-two punch that I think sits at the top. Uh, there's two people basically. Uh, and I've got to go with John Franco. I have to take him. Okay. One of the greatest left-handed relievers of all time. 
amazing amount of saves. He's around the organization. I've seen him at the stadium all the time. He comes around a great human being, a New York staple. Uh, John Franco is a legend. And for, for a good reason, I think, I think his, his presence in the, in the organization, people fresh in people's mind all the time. I think he's, he's my number one pick, uh, from the relievers. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, he would be on anybody's closer list. Uh, just an incredible career. So I'm taking John Franco at the top. I always think about him striking out Barry Bonds and LDS. That's it, right? Dominate. So good. So, so good. Yeah, I mean, John Franco, he was, he was going to be my number one reliever pick. I did tip my hand. I kind of don't know why I did that, thinking that you just wouldn't follow up, but kind of a poor move on my end. The Mets have just had, like, so many good, iconic left-handed relievers, and I feel like, you know, most of our bullpens here are probably going to be made up of lefties. My I got back-to-back picks here, so I can kind of – Mix and match. You can do what you want here. My my first reliever choice may be shocking to you, but I'm looking at my notes here, and I'm thinking about it in retrospect. You have Jerry Familia, who's like third all-time in saves. Armando Benitez, he's second. Both great relievers. Both had, you know, messy postseasons when they got there. That's sort of what I remember them for, which is, you know, unfair, but that's how it is. I'm going to go with the guy that didn't have – he didn't have a ton of seasons as a Met, but when he was here – he was arguably the best Mets closer that they've had outside of John Franco. I'm going to take the guy that should be in the hall this year, barring he gets enough votes. Billy Wagner is going to be my first Mets reliever pick. Now, let's let let, let let's talk about it cuz Billy Wagner, he was an Astro, he was a Brave, he was kind of around the block, but when he was with the Mets back in those 06 through 08 seasons when the Mets were getting serious about trying to win a World Series, he was dominant back there, man. 2.37 ERA, 183 games. Came in and did it every year. Made two all-star teams. Even in this short, tight window of like three years, 101 saves. That's pretty fucking good. So That's I mean, incredible. Billy, if you don't know already and you're undervaluing relievers on your ballot, Billy Wagner deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's arguably maybe the second best reliever of all time, I would say, behind Mo. And you got a lot of relievers coming through the pipeline, may, maybe making it into the hall eventually. Billy Wagner should be at the top of your list because he is stupidly good. And I think that because he was such a quiet individual, not a huge personality, just kind of went out there and did his job, people kind of undervalue him, undervalue him for that reason. And I just want to pull up his – I always talk about this when I talk about Billy Wagner. I'm not a Braves fan, obviously. It's a Mets podcast. Billy Wagner's last season was in 2010 when he was 38 years old, 38 years old and still closing games. That's how old I am right now. Just so, so everybody knows, you know, not crazily old, but for a pitcher trying to hack it as a closer, that's tough. In his last season, 2010, 38 years old, 1.43 ERA, 71 games, 37 saves with the Atlanta Braves made the all-star team. And then he went out on top, which you cannot say for a lot of relievers because they kind of, they go until they can't anymore and they get replaced because the it's expensive to bring relievers because, you know, whatever, met, uh, MLB, BS, whatever, fine. But Billy Wagner, he was a luxury to have on your team throughout his entire career up until the very end. And I look at, he had his bad 2000 season, but other than that, Billy Wagner came out and did his job every year. And even when he got injured in 2009, people thought he wasn't going to come back. He did and had arguably his best season ever. So his time with the Mets, only like three and a half years long, he got traded in 09. But man, he was freaking good when he was here. So, I mean, that's my defense of my Billy Wagner pick because I really like it. 
and I was going to try and snake two good relievers uh, with him and Franco on six and seven. Not going to do that now. The strategy has shifted. I'm going to take a starter here. I need to think about it though. I need. I need let me. Let me. I just want to. Go ahead. I'm going to. Uh, while you're thinking, I'm going to talk about Billy Wagner yeah, here for ahead. a second. So Billy Wagner deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It's hard for a reliever, but he deserves it. You talk about dominance in an era. This guy was in the height of the steroid era and beyond. Absolutely dominant. When I think of watching a left-handed reliever pitch, this is who I see in my head. This just pure, his ball came out and it just looked like a thousand miles an hour. Like when DeGrom pitches, it's fluid and it's beautiful and it's poetry. Like watching Billy Wagner throw was explosion. Like you're just like, that guy's throwing hard and it's coming out hard. Like it's just dominance. His slider, like just a, an amazing career um, deserves to be in the hall. That's a, it's a surprise pick for me. I wouldn't have picked him. I, I ranked him down a little bit lower. Interesting. Um, so like, yeah. And so I wouldn't have picked him there. But it's hard to argue against the uh, what should be a Hall of Fame career. Absolutely. I think that that was the biggest thing for me. I think Billy is going to be a Hall of Famer eventually. And I think having a Hall of Famer on my list, in addition to Tom Seaver and You're Dwight playing Gooden, the long game. I'm playing the long game here, right? That's me with DeGrom a there little you bit. Go. First Smart. We could look back in eight years and be like, oh, my God, he was a genius. All right. <laughs> I got my number seven pick, my number four overall on my team. It took some deliberating. I was thinking Ronnie Darling because I love Ron. I think Ron's a genius in the booth, and he was a great pitcher. But I'm going to go sit the kid because uh, I love good Mets trades, and the Mets absolutely stole Sid Fernandez from the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they had him for basically, what was it, 10 wonderful years. He won the 86 World Series with them. That one through four in 86 with him, Ojeda, Ron Darling, Dwight Gooden, Arguably the best top-to-bottom Mets rotation that they've ever had in their franchise's history. Maybe other than the 2015 Mets, if you can really argue that. But these guys got it done. Sid was electric on the mound. For people who love wins, Sid's win total is pretty high up there for a guy that you know didn't have as much time as some of the other guys on the list. His ERA, 3.14 over 255 games. That's real nice. And he's kind of just, I like him because he's underappreciated. Because he was basically the number four of those guys in 86. But he was really, you know, in my mind, in retrospect, when you look at these overall numbers, you could argue he was the number two behind Doc Gooden. Two all-star teams, won the World Series. I like Sid the Kid a lot. He was electric on the mound, considering where guys uh, Velo was at in 86 and uh, just 1980s pitching in general. So I like Sid the Kid. He's going to be my number three starter behind Tom Seaver and Dwight Gooden. I like that pick. Uh, I I agree. I, I didn't know the history of him being like a stolen pick like from from the Dodgers that's great uh I think he is very underappreciated he's one of those guys that like the when you know you know like the fans really appreciate who he was I think uh he's always been a name in the organization that that I've heard you know just people talking about him so that's a great pick I like that um I am gonna go I'm gonna go reliever back to back I thought I'm gonna get my top two guys um i'm interested i gotta go i gotta go with jesse orosco ah damn i mean when i think of when i think of mets moments the pure joy of when they won the world series and was it and he throws his glove up in the air like just pure joy i think that glove went like into orbit it never came so high and so fast that that is the one moment you know a lot of people think about about uh mookie wilson and and game six and the boot but it's 
for me, it's the, the Jesse Orozco glove throw after sealing the world series. Like it's just a moment. And I think that shines through. And I, I just want to talk about his kind of cumulative stats. They're great. He pitched 372 games, almost 600 innings for the, for the Mets. That's insane. Uh, a two, seven, three career ERA with the Mets and a one, two, one whip. 506 Ks and 107 saves. So on top of the 276 that I got from the legend of John Franco, I get over a hundred two-time all-star Jesse Orozco is my number two reliever. Very, very nice. I You snaked my plan because I wanted to have three great lefty relievers in my pen and Jesse was going to be one of them. I thought that I maybe should have taken him, but I like said the kid. So it went something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's hard not to go there. Uh, Sid, is on my list for starters. I was a little sad that he that he's gone. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my number. I'm gonna go with my number three starter here. I'm gonna go John Matlack. Okay, I like that pick a lot. I think uh, he's another one of those guys that just is underappreciated. Uh, I mean, he came up at 21 years old for the Mets. Pitched unbelievable. Three time All Star. Just had that three year run. Uh, for the Mets, I'm looking at some stats here. Just reliable. Look at this. At his first full season, 34, 32 starts, 34 starts, 34 starts, 32 starts, 35 starts. That's a five-year spin. That's crazy. It's insane. Like, that is as reliable as it gets. You want to do the complete games, too? It's 8, 14, 14, 8, 16. That's crazy. That's, re- that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy amount. 65 complete games for the Mets in seven years. Wow. And you know what? He he gets shafted a little bit because he's not part of these World Series teams, so he doesn't get remembered as much. It's a shame. That's it because, like, I was a part of – I can't even remember what year it was, but, like, I go through deep dives and you think about looking at the media guide for a while. I was, like, a couple years in the organization before I even heard of him. And then I looked and I'm like, wow, this guy had just an amazing run. Unfortunately, he got – you know, he went to Texas – for the last half of his career, had a great run in Texas his last six years. Um, but his cumulative numbers, 82 and 81 with a 303 ERA. Uh, just an amazing, almost 1,500 innings, just a pure dominance. He won the Rookie of the Year, three-time All-Star, finished sixth in the Cy Young uh, voting. I got to go with my man. He's just, just, in a, just an incredible career. So Matlack is my number three starter. The one year he got to pitch in the playoffs. Or my fifth pick. The one year he got to pitch in the playoffs, which was 73, threw a shutout in his first start against the Reds. They won the NLCS, went to uh, the World Series against Oakland. Three more starts, 2.16 ERA. So, like, the one chance he got at playoff greatness, he killed Dominant. it. Dominant. Crushed it. And that's out of your control. Yeah, So course. when you do get that chance and you're part of a team that makes that, that's that's that shows you kind of when the, you know, game's on the line, when the season's on the line, you want that kind of guy. Yeah, Jerry, I, I absolutely love that pick. I don't think I would I would have I would have thought to pick him. And then as soon as you said it, I was like, that's genius. That's a great number three. I also want to say that you have five J's on your team right now. Jacob DeGrom, Jerry Kuzman, John Franco, Jesse Roscoe, John Matlack. So there is a theme. I didn't here. realize there that. There is a theme here. There is. All right, I got to think now. There's a there's a lot of fun picks I can have here, and I think I just might finish my rotation with these next two picks. Wow. I think I just I think, might. Okay, that's smart. I, I dig it. I think... Mm, I know one that I definitely want to pick because of bias. I'm going to save him for my next, next pick, I think. 
But I also, um, I just, I have a feeling that you're going to snake my reliever again, which I'm worried about. But maybe you're like saving your last reliever pick for later because I mean you already loaded up. Two. I mean, dude, you're holding you're holding your cards backwards so I can see your. Whole I know I, I'm I'm a talker, <laughs> man. I'm, I suck at poker. My poker face is terrible. All right, I've made up my mind. With my, with the number ten overall pick, my fifth overall pick, my number four starter. He's mostly remembered as a Yankee these days because of his work with Yes Network and of course John Boy Media on towing the slab. Shout out them. David Cohn, he's going to be my number four guy. He actually, most fans don't know this, he has more innings as a New York Met than he does as a New York Yankee, which is why he didn't qualify for the Talking Yanks draft, so they couldn't even pick him. Yeah, I was surprised to know that. When he, when he showed up on the list, I was like, no, he can't. Exactly. That's what I thought, too, when I was researching it. I was like, no, he, he's there. Yeah, I mean, over 1,200 innings with the Mets. So people can forget pretty easily. Two-time All-Star, over 1,000 strikeouts, 3.13 ERA. I mean, if I go to his baseball reference, which is always nice to look at, uh, he had an illustrious career, bounced around a little bit towards the end, but he was with the Mets from... 87, just missed that 86 team because he was with the Royals. Then it goes all the way to 92 when he gets traded. So, I mean, his tenure, it doesn't seem like it's the longest of his career with the Mets, but that's just the case, which a lot of fans may be shocked at. Obviously, Cone got better as time went on, you know, had some illustrious seasons, you know, winning some some deep uh, postseason runs. But I really like Cone as my number four here. I feel like he's kind of a sneaky pick because he could easily be a number two or something like that. I thought when I picked Sid that I might lose out on Cone, but I also really like your John Matlack picks. I would have been happy with either. I'm going to take Coney, number 10 overall. And then my number five starter, there are some better guys on this list. I feel like I'm snubbing Ron Darling just a little bit here because of how reliable he was with the Mets, how many innings he had. He's not my number five starter. I'm not, I'm not taking him. No more 86 Mets for me. You could argue a Tom Glavin. You could argue a Bobby Ojeda. You could even get into the 2015 guys like Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, maybe some Johan Santana. But uh, my number five starter is the my favorite Mets pitcher of all time. Sorry, Jerry. It's not you. I, mean, I know. It better not be me. <laughs> uh, my number five starter is going to be R.A. Dickey, who had the most improbable season maybe of all time. Um, for And this is for a couple reasons. One, Dickey means if anyone watches my videos, you know that I made a video on Ari Dickey. He has an incredible story full of a lot of heartbreak and triumph, near-death experiences, abuse survivor. He has an incredible story outside of just his pitching career. But when you dive into his pitching career, it's just as incredible. The guy was born without an ulnar collateral uh, ligament. And for those who don't know, you kind of need a UCL to be a great pitcher. You kind of need that to, you know, have velocity on any of your pitches and, you know, pitch. You can't tear it if you don't have one. Exactly. So he never had Tommy John. You don't need John Tommy John if you don't have the ligament. That was his advantage. That's how I feel about, like, <laughs> when uh, my – so I played – Josh Donaldson has these huge calves. Yep. And he always is, like, calf strain, calf strain. I'm like, dude, just – I don't have any, so I can't strain them. It can't hurt me. He, he uh, R.A. Dickey went with uh, the no UCL – so he doesn't have to worry about Tommy. Great Jones. strategy by R.A. Crazy. First round draft pick. And then he went through his physical and they're like, dude, you don't have a ligament. That's bananas. Yeah, his uh, his initial contract uh, went down to 10% of what it originally was when they found out he didn't have a UCL because they were like, oh, my God, this is like the most damaged goods of all time. He came up with the Rangers in his first start ever. He gave up six home runs in two innings, which was like the most 
for a single start. Yeah, no, that's like crazy. I stat. didn't know that. That's yeah, that's against, crazy. And it was against uh, the Tigers team that lost like 120 games or something. So uh, the worst possible start you could have had was uh, Ari Dickey's first start. He toiled for years and years, found his way to the Mets, and just had a three year run. That was incredible with these 2010 through 2012 teams that didn't do much. They were kind of mired in mediocrity, had injury problems and all that. But Ari Dickey was sort of the one constant that was building up to the new frontier rotation that they got into Grom and Syndergaard and all that. In those three years, he obviously had the 2012 Cy Young year where he had a 2.73 ERA, 33 starts, five complete games. No one's had more complete games in a season since Ari Dickey's 2012 won the Cy Young, made the All-Star team, got some MVP votes. Uh, and the big thing for him is legacy, because without R.A. Dickey's Cy Young season and the great trade made by the Mets, we don't have Noah Syndergaard, we don't get Travis Darnell, and maybe those 2015 Mets are missing a couple key pieces that they need to make the stretch run there. So in terms of his life story, in terms of his Mets pitching stats, and in terms of the legacy he left with the Mets, I think R.A. Dickey is more than fitting to be included in my, ro- in my uh, rotation. I, I like the pick. Uh, we have quite the parody, like towards the end of our, our list. And I love it. Mm, okay. uh, Ari Dickey was on my sneaky, like fifth starter role because his, it's just a, it's a bright short segment winning that, that Cy Young, the 20 games, pretty phenomenal. He's got a great story. Like you said, um, perseverance, like just, just incredible. Uh, I like the pick um, and David Cohn. I mean, I couldn't, he wasn't, he didn't make my list because I knew you were going to pick him. Okay. I knew you were going to, I knew you were going to take him and I can't like just, I just came up in an era where he's in Yankees pinstripes in my head. Yeah. It's definitely fair. I can't pick a Met for that reason. You know, shout out to, to David Cohn and John boy. Like that's a great connection. I like listening to him as well. If you guys are it, I'm a company man. I had to pick him. I I like it. And RA would have been like my sneaky back end um fill it out so he's your number five Cy Young winner like just collecting pretty good so you've got to go reliever so yeah. one of my picks will be my last reliever that's smart so that's really I'm gonna smart. I'm gonna start that just to keep the Jays going and I'm going with my boy Jerry's familiar taking him okay I like it. I had I had some choices you know I was thinking Armando Benitez for more saves I was thinking Tug McGraw I, like I was even McGraw. thinking, you know, Pedro Feliciano, who's like the goat of the lefty guys. Oh, yeah. You know, keep it pure lefty. But I got to go with Familia. I think, I think, again, recency bias isn't the most dominant because I think people under will underappreciate him. But over time, I think his value to the organization is going to be oh, yeah. appreciated on a, on a grander level. And he loves the Mets. Like, this is another thing. Like, he loves New York. He loves playing in Queens. He is a diehard Met fan in his heart, his soul. He is blue and orange. Like, I don't think that can be overstated enough. I think Mets fans, again, will appreciate a guy that just wants to be on this team. You'll see it. He'll talk about it this offseason once they're able to talk it. But he wants to come back. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, he's very motivated to be a Met. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I think a, a fan base with such passion about their organization uh, appreciates that. So let, let me just give you some numbers his here. His numbers are really nice, man. I mean, they are even his down years with the Mets, you know, like the 2019 season was up and down for so many people. He had struggles big time, but 76 games, 76, 78, you know, 
70. Like the guy, he's his here's his 10 years with the Mets. He's got a 327 wow. ERA, including that years. over five he had. He's 469 games, um, 233 games finished, 124 saves. Like he is on the all-time list. 467 innings. He's got 487 strikeouts, which is insane for a like a power sinker ground ball kind of guy. Absolutely. I think I think he's just he's gonna be like a fine wine for the Mets. He's gonna age well in the uniform. People will appreciate him. He's gonna be on everybody's all-time list, I think, in years ahead. But a lot of people have a hard time letting go of that 2019 season because it's very frustrating and fresh in everybody's mind, but uh, I just wanted to round that out. Shout out to Fama. One of the nicest human beings on the planet, uh, wonderful teammate and a great all-time Met. And also his only other team that he's ever pitched for is the A's. There you go. Oakland. He's my guy. Mm-hmm. He wanted, he couldn't get out of there fast enough to come oh, back yeah. to Queens. It's so weird looking at pictures of him in Oakland. It's so, strange. but I had to take him there because I got to break up. I got to break up my J's. Oh, I've got six over? guys Damn. all starting with J. <laughs> um, I could have gone a number of ways here for my number four starter. Ron Darling popped in my head. And then like the flash in the pan, I, I can't pick Zach Wheeler okay. because of how dominating he is now. He'll be a yeah. Philly. Like the, what he's doing now, that he's hurts. going to be known for the, his next few years because he is just, he is in his prime right now. He's found an, another level. Uh, could have been like a Syndergaard who had a, a great run. Um, and I thought about Matt Harvey here too, because it's just how bright his light was, you know, all-star game starter in city field, like just a, an amazing run. Um, but I'm going a little bit different here. I I am going to go with my man Craig Swan. Oh wow, Craig Swan! So we talk about underappreciation. This guy is like a Met all timer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seventy three was his debut, and he retired after the eighty four season. And it he with he was with the California Angels. He only pitched two games for them, but uh, outside of that. And all his Mets. amazing career, all Mets. That's that's something that I think gets undervalued. But when you're talking all-time guys, I think he's an all-time Met. Um, in the 78 season, he led the league in ERA with a 2-4-3. Yeah. Like just just a just a pro, a consistent pro, never like never the most dominating guy on the team. Never he's you're always your number two or number three, reliability, availability consistent so here's here's some of his numbers give them to me 12 years with the mets like 59 and 71 like win loss record not great but he's got a uh a 3.72 era with the mets 25 complete games 1200 innings under the uh hit per inning just just a just a great run not a strikeout guy a ground ball guy just a, a wonderful, and if I can get that as my number four, just cumulative underappreciation and Craig Swan, you know, 
all-time Mets, you got to go with a Met. And that's that's what I picked at number four. I love that you have Matlack and Swan back-to-back. Because you're, you're going for, like, the underappreciated good Mets starters. Because the Mets have always had good starting pitching. Always. That's right. And there, there's a lot of names that stick out. And then there's guys that people forget about. And I, I have an affinity for guys to bring. I like making somebody go, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. And just be like, that's that's one of my favorites. Or the people that really appreciate him are like, thank you for seeing me. I feel I feel seen. You please, I mean, you you might have pissed off you might have pissed off some older fans by not picking Seaver first, but when you took Matt Lack and Swan, I think you won them back over completely. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> and I I broke the Jays and went with a guy named Craig. I really did think you might have took uh, Johan Santana just to have another J in line. <laughs> I really did. That. I, and again, that's one of these David Cohn things is I I can't picture. As good as a run as he has. He's a twin to you. Yeah. He's a twin to me because I, I watched that dominance. It was so uh, pretty you, you have that importance to you if they have to look like a Met in your mind. That's how, for me, again, we're talking all-time Mets. That's how I view things, you know, and like Cone, and and I, I feel like he, he wears a different uniform in my head, so. And like you can argue that on my team, like Billy Wagner, you don't really think of him as a Met. Maybe David Cohn and Ari Dickey, you don't think of them as Mets, but you know, their Mets tenure, pretty freaking good. All right, so we got three picks left, right? I got two picks for my relievers. You got one pick for your number five, correct? Yep. Cool. All right, so you have a ton of great starters left on the board. Just to read them off real quick, you have Ronnie Darling still there. You have Al Leiter still there. Uh, who else we got here? Tom Glavin. Bobby Ojeda, Zach Wheeler, Noah Syndergaard, Yohan Santana, Matt Harvey. So you have a, you kind of have a tough pick here because I would take any of those guys as my number five. It's going to be tough. I'm kind of deciding as we speak based off, I think. My reliever strategy, it wasn't great for this draft. I'm not going to lie. I feel like my bullpen is going to be weaker than yours by default. But I do. Ha- I have some fun choices here. I'm looking at, so Jerry Smiley was a good pick by you. I think he was going to be a part of my bullpen because Mets fans, you know, if you, do, if you don't realize, go look at his baseball reference page. He is one of the best Mets relievers of all time, just in terms of Mets stats only. I really would have loved to have Jesse. You got the top three relievers on our little Excel sheet here. I guess I kind of, I have to take Armando Benitez. I don't, here's the thing. I, w- I was raised a Mets fan by my father and my father's most hated Mets reliever of all time is Armando Benitez. My dad, like me, always wanted the Subway Series World Series, and Armando just did not have a good go of it in that 99-2000 run. He just was not the postseason pitcher the Mets needed, and that's all that sticks out in his memory. But when we look at Benitez's numbers with the Mets, and you may think of him as an Oriole more than a Met because he had plenty of time there as well, uh, here's the thing with Benitez. He has a 2.70 ERA, 347 innings, 1.13 whip, and he has the second most saves of any Mets reliever all time, 160. He made the all-star team with them, got to go to that World Series in 2000. The resume is here. If my dad is listening, which he probably is, sorry. Uh, I, I, I hope that you, you'll still call me son because... I, 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 I could already hear him <laughs> returning your Christmas gifts. It's bad. It's bad. He hates Armando. He hates Familia, I can't believe too. you picked him. Yeah. He doesn't like Familia. There's some, I feel like we there's there's some uh, deeper-seated issues that we can we can delve into at some point. Yeah. There's some anger there for you and your dad. I hope oh, your relationship's good, but this seems like... <laughs> you know, you, we, I'll give you a chance to back out of that pick if you want. I'm going to stick with it because I'm a numbers guy first and foremost. And You're getting coal. You're getting coal in your stock. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, my, my dad, he'll, he'll come to appreciate Familia over time. He'll never appreciate Armando Benitez. That's just, that's just how it is. 
So he's going to be my number two reliever in my pen with Billy Wagner. And then to round it out, I got I have some choices here. I like Roger McDowell. I like – I have Jerry Blevins at the end of the list here. Okay, so, hey, you're, you're Mets numbers on By the way, way, I appreciate you putting my name on the list. Your ERA was up there. I kind of had to, actually, believe it or not. I had a – yeah, I had a rough – and 18 is a, just a bad year. It just year. tanked you a little bit, yeah. That was my rough go of it. It's a bad year for all of us. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of issues in there that I don't want to dive into that I'm not ready to unpack yet. Ugly team. Um, but uh, thank you for adding me on the list. If you pick me, you got you you and Armando Benitez, your dad will all your stuff will be packed. Like you already <laughs> you don't live with him, but he's he's not keeping anything around. All your pictures are off the wall. <laughs> You're deservedly on. You had a 3.38 ERA and 138 innings. That's pretty damn good. All right. I don't think you're gonna you're gonna be my last pick though. I'm not I'm not gonna brown nose you because I know you personally Good. know, so I don't need to. Um, but I think I'm gonna go another bias pick for me here. I'm gonna go perpetual Pedro. I really like Pedro Feliciano. I really I there will never be another Pedro Feliciano because of the new three out rule for relievers. His type of production is now gone, but. In terms of production, from 2008 to 2010, it's just a legendary run on three pretty much forgotten teams. 86 games, 88 games, 92 games in a single season. Now, granted, the innings pitched are far less, but the Mets kind of had a problem with using their relievers way too much back in the day, and no more was the case than Pedro Feliciano because he was just the, the simulational lefty that you threw in there when you needed a quick out to get and he was good at his job man I mean all these ERAs are really nice his career was not long but it was all Mets which you know I need to add some real all-time Mets to my list Pedro is a perfect guy for this nine-year career all of them in Queens 3.33 career ERA never made an all-star team never made the postseason other than 06 let's see if he pitched there he did and he did well. Good for Pedro. Six games, 1.93 ERA. Good for Pedro. I had a great man. run. Uh, if you would have picked me, like he is me, my career, but way better. Like more everything. I wasn't going to say it like that, it was, Yeah, no, it's, that's fair. <laughs> but but And uh, he just passed away recently yeah. at a young age. A heartbreak. The outpouring of like great stories. I never had a chance to cross paths with him, but like mutual friends, mutual people that I respect. I mean, literally say the nicest things about this guy as a person. Um, so on top of just being a great pitcher and a, like a Met all time Met. Yep. Didn't wear another uniform. He was universally beloved. I really loved the outpouring of support. Of course, when he tragically passed, the one thing that I, I'm thankful for in in a weird way because he should never be thankful that a player's career is ending. But if Pedro did make it back to the league in 2014, he would have been wearing a New York Yankees uniform because he was at their spring training site and at their minor league site. So I'm kind of happy Pedro never went cross town and pitched for the Yankees. That's okay to say. Yeah, it's not anything against Pedro. Feel the same way. That's 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 fair. Yeah. It's not. It's not against him, but that's that you love the, the Mets. That's a, that's fair. I will never fault anybody for their love of the game in some form or another. Exactly. Like I just want to highlight you: 08, 09, and two thousand ten. Eighty six games, eighty eight games, ninety two games. That just is crazy. Bananas. That is absurd. I think the most I ever threw. I'm going to look it up real quick. Is like seventy two games. Yeah, I want to find out who threw seventy five games. games. Seventy five, which is really good. 
I went 73, 75, and 64 with the Mets. Like, that's I'm not even close. That's incredible. Like, that's so many games. So, like, and, and we talk about dry humps. That's definitely dry humps. So, I, I like your list. I have one pick left. Are you ready? Hang on. And then just for reference, I want to pull this up. Oh, go for it. For the most games by reliever this year. 81, Brian Shaw of Cleveland. And that's still five games off Pedro's lowest total from that three-year range. That's crazy. So, I mean, just wanted to touch on that. Different different era of, of being able to pitch. You know, you got the three-batter minimum, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and then you got your last pick. Yeah, man. So, I have the last pick, my fifth starter. And so, I kind of bounce back and forth here. Okay. So, I, I'm going to a little bit of – so, I've got DeGrom at the top. Jerry Kuzman, John Matlack, Craig Swan. So I have reliability already. So that that eliminates a guy for me like Ron Darling, who's well deserved mm. uh, because he's he's just cumulative, like nothing, nothing amazing, never a you know a Cy Young, anything like that, but just a great pitcher for a long time. Um, the same goes for like a Zach Wheeler. We talked about a Noah Syndergaard. So my fifth starter, I'm going to go for the wow factor in a brief period. And I'm taking the dark night here. I'm taking Matt Harvey. I like it. I do. And like it's it. a sign of respect for how good this human being was in a short amount of time. Tommy John followed by thoracic outlet, which is crazy. Yeah. 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 That's a tough run of it. Like that's a tough go, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read. So in 2012, his debut, he had 10 starts, had a 273, 60, 59 and a third innings, 42 hits, 70 strikeouts. So just came up and wowed immediately as a 23-year-old. Yep. This get, takes you into the 2013 season where he is a full rookie here. Or he lost his rookie set. Anyway, so this is his first full season, 26 starts. 2.27 ERA, 178 innings, 135 hits, 191 strikeouts. This guy started the All-Star game at City Field. At City Field. Like obviously there's some there were some other deserving candidates, but for this guy in his first full season to start an All-Star game is insane to think about. Do you remember who he pitched against? I don't. Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Oh, that was 13. That's right. Detroit Tigers. I mean, he was all all over baseball. He was the a superstar. He was doing TV, you know, making appearances, magazines, ESPN, the body issue. Like this guy was fire. Yep. He was a shining light. Finished fourth in the Cy Young voting that year. Next year, his his last really full season with the Mets, 29 starts. In the 15th season, showed guts in the World Series where he wanted the ball to, to go into that ninth inning. Like 29 starts, 13 and 8 with a 271 ERA, 189 and a third innings, 156 hits, like 188 strikeouts, just a bulldog, like a, a give me the ball, I'm coming after you. You know, that was his year. The 15 season was the year he came back. And it was like the last year that Matt Harvey was Matt Harvey, I think, as far as feeling like himself. He was still kind of learning. I remember how electric that was like the opening. He made the home start and 
it's one of the most vivid games for me as a player on the field, just how loud city field was. And he, he gave, he went like punch out, punch out, gave up a Homer, unfortunately to chase Utley and then struck it out. But still like it went like the, the, the elevation, the, the excitement in that stadium. And it was like, he came out to like back in the saddle it was it was a great feeling together. Uh, that guy had a, a just a just a a shooting star of what could have been as far as health wise. The guy still you know made a career for himself. He's still out there doing it. But as far as all time Mets goes and and highlight of a of a short stint and just pure electricity and dominance, I think of those guys to round out my rotation. I think R.A. Dickey would have been the number one just because he's only here a couple of years, but I think Matt Harvey fits that right at number two, and I'll take that as my fifth starter. They're a very similar mold, which is why Matt Harvey was going to be mine if you snaked R.A. Dickey from me and said you snaked the bullpen, which was just a smart. But people can forget just how heavily Matt Harvey swept the entire baseball nation when he was at his peak. I mean, that 2013 season... You know, I, I'm still in the early stages of my fandom, still watching these these pretty bad Mets teams. But Matt Harvey became your instant favorite because he's the first of this crop of new Mets starters that are coming through the draft pipeline and just dominating as rookies as soon as they get to the show. Uh, and, he, I mean, he was incredible. I mean, you know, I remember the, the body issue pretty well. And, it, you know, the, Met, the MLB has some trouble marketing their players. But Matt Harvey just kind of marketed himself. Like, he was on The Late Show. He did that thing that Aaron Judge does where they walk up to strangers and they, you know, do you know Matt Harvey? And they show him a picture and then you realize that it's him. Uh, very funny. Yeah, I remember that was the first one. Yeah. I think he he became, he came before Aaron Judge, obviously, because, like, 2017. In a, yeah, in an, era, in an era when the Mets are terrible. Yeah. You had this guy. Like, just a, he transitioned to from – he was the he was the guy on a on – a, on a team like I picture him on the mound for that that's like for that three-year window he's he's it for me yeah and you go from 2012 Cy Young Ari Dickey straight into all-star game starter Matt Harvey back-to-back seasons mm-hmm. and I mentioned it before but the Mets have always had good starting pitching which is why I was looking forward to this draft because there's so many good choices that got left off in favor of other guys like Ron Darling goes undrafted Al Leiter goes undrafted Bobby Ojeda, uh, uh, John Neese, who's on the list. Surprising baseball reference page for John Neese, by the way, I should say. Uh, t- sneaky. Sneaky. Dude, he, he had a he came up at like 21 years old. Just just dealt for 10 years. Was super reliable. So, I mean, there's a ton of great Mets pitchers that didn't make the cut here. But I'm very Dylan glad G. Matt Harvey. Dylan G is another one that I don't even have on the Excel sheet. He was great during his time here as well. The point is, uh, the Mets have a ton of great pitchers, and a lot of them don't get the appreciation that they deserve because of whatever came after or whatever bad playoff regular season highlights they had. Matt Harvey deserves to be on this list, I think. I agree. I think Matt Harvey is a lot of it now against recency bias is like what could have been. He was that like shining star, that number one that was supposed to be the torch carrier. Was that how you say it? Yeah, torch bearer. Yeah, there torch you bearer. He was supposed to be the guy to lead the way. Unfortunately, Tommy John came, uh, and he, we never got to see him fulfill his potential as far as career goes. But that window, man, like we said, that window is it pretty pretty incredible. And he was he was that gap that something that you can cheer for as a Met fan, as a Mets fan between 
teams that you care about, you know, between actual teams. He was like the superstar player. Everybody was talking about him. Uh, it was insane. I played in the American League for those first couple of years. And that's all anybody was like. He was everywhere. Yeah, man. So, I mean, to conclude here, we, we finished up our draft, 16 total picks. Jerry Blevins' rotation consists of Jacob deGrom, Jerry Kuzman, John Matlack, Craig Swan, Matt Harvey, all different eras, which I love. A couple of underappreciated guys there. Jerry has a great bullpen here, too. John Franco, Jesse Orozco, Jerry Familia, arguably the three best Mets closers of all time. You got all three of them, so well done to you. You had a good reliever strategy. I really like my rotation. I got Tom Seaver, Dwight Gooden, Sid Fernandez, David Cohn, R.A. Dickey. That's a solid one through five. My bullpen, I like my picks. They could have been better. I could have worked it around a little bit. I, I end up with Billy Wagner, Armando Benitez, and perpetual Pedro Feliciano. And that is the all-time Mets pitchers draft, man. Pretty That's good. wonderful. A, a quick quick little... Go for it. I, I wanted to name it. You, you said a perpetual Pedro. Mm-hmm. Like the two coolest nicknames when I, I was in the American League, Everyday Eddie Guardado, Everyday Eddie, mm-hmm. and Perpetual Pedro. Like those are just badass. So good. That's, that's I'm awesome. I'm a big alliteration so to that. guy, man. Shea Station. There you go. I like both of our teams very much. I'm feeling really confident. I'm very interested to see who people think is better. Do you want to know there's one human being that I hope gets to see these lists and that like, even if I win like 90 to 10, mm-hmm. I feel very confident in my team, by the way, I feel oh, very confident. Okay, okay. Had I, had I just gone for like the fan vote, Ron Darling would have been my fifth pick, yeah. but I could play from my heart and I choose my own team. Mm-hmm. I respect it. I, I want to know what Howie Rose thinks. I'll have I, uh, to tag him. I'm, I'll I'm tag really him curious. on Twitter. To he's going to like your thinks. John Matlack pick for sure. He's going to love that pick. And I think he's a Craig Swan guy. I think he might be, yeah. I'm curious. Get his attention. I, I'm excited <laughs> to see if he if he responds. I'll text him, make him feel bad, and, and pressure him into responding. But even if I win, like, dominate the fan vote, if he says your team stinks, uh, the jolly How wins, I'll feel, like, I'll feel like you won. Yeah. So we'll see. Guys, check out our Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. We'll post the graphic. Leave us our uh, your thoughts. If you're angry that we didn't pick Ron Darling, tell us that we're idiots. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you guys listening uh, to the latest episode of Shea Station. Uh, but that's all we got for you guys today. Wow, we went an hour and 15 today. Look at Yeah, us that was deep, but that's that's the that's it. Good luck trimming that up because that was that was all meat. Yeah, man. And we'll have a new episode coming out very soon for our position player draft, which will probably be even more contentious and difficult. So I'm looking forward to That'll that. That'll be hard. Well. That'll be hard. That's gonna be like 20 picks instead of 16, too. So more research to do, more strategy, because you gotta pick certain positions first. Like it's gonna be good. I'm looking forward to it. Well, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Be sure to vote because I want to know how badly I beat Jolly and our picks. I think it's close. (laughs) All right, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. All right, guys, we will see you later on in the week. Let's go Mets.